This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Let's take tech in the right direction to drive social change and close the employment, pay, and culture gap for women in technology. This podcast is focused on helping turn ideas into action to create opportunities for women to advance in the dynamic technology industry. I hope this podcast will inspire and motivate you to encourage more women and girls to seek or grow a career as a woman in technology. Stories about the journey of amazing women in this tech field starts right now. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Today I'll be speaking with Sandra Kafka. Sandra Kafka is a business and delivery executive at IBM Salesforce Practice. She helps Fortune 100 companies in financial services to generate revenue from their strategic investments in cloud-based applications and artificial intelligence, namely Salesforce and Watson. Sandra was born in Prague, Czech Republic. Prior to relocating to the U.S., she spent first half of her career in management consulting, leading post-merger integration and global expansion programs across Central Europe. Sandra is a co-investor at Vencorp Development, a private equity firm focused on commercial real estate development projects. Sandra speaks four languages, and having lived in four countries, she brings a diverse global perspective. Her educational background includes an executive MBA at Kellogg and a BSc in economics and mathematics. She is also a triathlete, world traveler, avid reader, and a passionate gardener. Welcome to the show, Sandra. I'm so happy to have you. Hello, Jennifer. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Sure. Let's get started. Um, So can you share with us a little bit about your career journey, you know, your current role, and then the path that got you here? Sure. So I was uh, born and I grew up in Prague in the Czech Republic. Um, I began my career during the an interesting time, uh, the Czech Republic's transition from communism to capitalism. So it was a time of opportunity and a time of great change. I spent uh, the first uh, nine years working and studying in Europe, in Prague, in London, and in France. Um, and as a management consultant, I work uh, I worked with large uh, Western corporations, multinationals such as ADP, Vodafone, and others, to help them expand their operations uh, to Central and Eastern Europe as they were kind of coming in um, after the fall of the Iron Curtain. And uh, in 2009, I relocated to the United States. And for the last uh, seven or so years, I have been focused on emerging technologies, namely cloud, machine learning, and AI. Um, And presently, I am a business delivery executive at IBM, and I focus on helping clients implement and derive value from these technologies. 
uh, and I specialize in Salesforce and uh, Watson products. And in addition to that, I am also an executive MBA candidate at Kellogg School of Management uh, at Northwestern University here in Chicago. I'm about to graduate soon, and I am looking to apply my background in tech to um, real estate, technology, or financial services space. Wow. You are a busy lady. (laughs) So um, you were born in Prague. I love Prague. We were there at the end of 2018 and just had a great, great, great time. Um, You also spent some time in Europe before you came to the U.S. So can you share with us your experience in adapting to different cultures and industries, uh, both business and personal? Great uh, to hear that you have a nice time in Prague. (laughs) I'm always (laughs) great to hear that when people say that. Um, I love Prague, and I I, I really miss the city, um, and I feel fortunate that I was able to grow up there. Um, Yes, adapting to different cultures, I feel like even if you speak the language, which was my my case, it's, it's it's not easy. But I, but I will say that, you know, the thing with the, with the U.S., right, is, is that there is, I don't feel like there is one culture to adapt to, uh, right? It's, it's a lot more diverse. In fact, uh, I, I would say that if you want to uh, immigrate um, somewhere, uh, then the U.S. is probably the best place uh, to be as an, <laughs> as an immigrant. Um, you know, in Europe, it's obviously different with the, um, with the, you know, every country having its own culture, language, mm-hmm. and shared history and all of that. So the ad- adaptation may, may be a, a bit harder there. Um, I, I don't know that, you know, I kind of feel like I, that, like, ad- adaptability is actually kind of something that I maybe was prepared for just because, I, you know, in the, in the opportune time in which I was born, um, which was right during the fall of the Iron Curtain. So basically overnight, um, the, our, the norms of the society in which I lived in were rewritten, right? And mm-hmm. so, and invalidated. And so we were, we were starting from scratch and there was really no playbook. And so when I started my career, it was pretty much that. It was it was trial and error. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think from that, I kind of developed this mentality of just go um, and figure it out. And mm-hmm. because that was kind of, that was, th- that was my playbook, just go and figure it out. Um, and somehow, maybe I just kind of developed this sense of, well, you know, it's, Maybe maybe some self-confidence around that, yes, you know, you, you can go and you can figure things out. And, uh, you know, it's useful to have a framework, no question. But at the same time, I think we also in the U.S., we live in a time where all the changes that technology is unleashing in our society are unprecedented. And I think that 
it is actually kind of in a sense similar to the, those times in in the Czech Republic. And so to your question, my experience with adapting to to different uh, cultures is stay agile and keep mm-hmm. learning. That's great. Um, you know, like you mentioned, you were forced to adapt. So you, there was no playbook. There's no guidelines. There's no rules. Uh, you just have to do it. And um, and once you do it a few times, you really, you know, you learn that flexibility and adaptability is so key in just life in general. So that's great. I mean, you you've done an amazing job just taking each experience and really making the best of it. So you speak four languages. Wow, that is amazing. (laughs) You've lived in four countries. Um, So that gives you such a diverse global perspective, which you bring to your businesses. So tell us about, you know, maybe some examples of the benefits of this background and how you've applied it in, in your career. I speak four languages, and I often joke that I speak every single one of them with an accent, including um, my uh, mother tongue, uh, Czech, which, mm-hmm. for which uh, my sister and my family, they make fun of me that I speak with an American accent now. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, as far as, like, you know, having multinational experience, I think it's valuable in business. Uh, especially I think it depends on context obviously mm-hmm. um, you know my first two employers in the United States were actually European companies uh, mm-hmm. one was headquartered in the UK and one in Germany coincident yeah. <laughs> and uh, so you know for com- for so it's for European companies when they're they're operating in the US market it's oftentimes uh, kind of difficult to understand why the things that made them successful in Europe don't work in the U.S. And because the U.S. market is is, is very different. And so adapting, um, you know, I think in general in the U.S. market, it's a lot more competitive and a lot more uh, fast paced. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, adapting quickly is really key. Uh, so one you know, I think because of my background, I can I can see things that others don't, and I can ask questions that oftentimes you know nobody asks. Now, is this valuable? I I say so. It, it depends on right what decision you're making. If you're launching a new product, or if you're investing in a partnership with a startup, these are no small decisions. Um, so these are often multi-million dollar investments, and it is often the questions that were not asked in the first place or are asked too late that 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 leads uh, the initiative to failure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's always easy to see it in the hindsight, right? So like, right. you know, in the business school, you look at a lot of case studies, and it's, and sometimes it's kind of perplexing like why did nobody ask that question like it just seems obvious in hindsight it it always does but it's it's not obvious when you have um and it's especially important if you you know when you have a small group of people making a decision that that um 
that there's people who, who probe into it, uh, of maybe from different angles. And I have seen many failures in across my career. So I would say that, <laughs> you know, we like all also, have, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, also, so, you know, I think, um, like especially in startups, you know, if you if you talk to startups, they appreciate people who have failed many times. Why? Because it's like, great, we're not going to make this mistake because we have someone who's who's made this mistake before, and they, that's what they can help us with here. That's great. You bring so much perspective, a global perspective, to your businesses, and um, I really like the application of you know using your experience to really find the critical areas that a business could fail. So that's, that's uh, really, really valuable. Um, so in addition to your business, you're also very passionate about women in technology, as I am. Um, so share your thoughts on equality and thought diversity that women bring to the table. What are some of those highlights? Um. I am passionate about equality of opportunity and diversity of thought. And as for women in in technology specifically, uh, I am fortunate to work with startups. Uh, I uh, am a mentor at 1871, which is the Chicago Startup Incubator. Mm And so I I have the, the the privilege to speak with a lot of startup founders and a lot of these um, entrepreneurs are men and women in their twenties mm-hmm. and what's you know working with them has made me realize that this generation of of young people does not really see gender um, in the same way as my generation and. Mm-hmm and does not experience it the same way either. So, uh, you know, I often feel that they don't really see it as an issue at all, right? It's oftentimes, you know, these young Amazonians don't feel, right? Mm -hmm. They need to justify having a seat at the table or, you know, the the young men that I work with, they 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 kind of treat women as they as their equals, and mm-hmm. they, they, there's there's no kind of doubt about about why they shouldn't. So I I love this, and I feel that you know this this can come come soon enough, and I and I love being part of this. Um, I come from a very different. Um, you know, background, obviously, not being born in the United States from a society and culture that is very uh, kind of hierarchical. And, um, you know, we don't, like you look at, for example, the Czech parliament, right? There's there's hardly any women there. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, but in the United States, like in generally speaking, like I have benefited greatly, greatly in my career. Uh, I have five mentors and there are actually all men. Mm-hmm. And I have been looking for a female mentor, like, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> all my mentors so far have been men, and they are men of great character, uh, and they've done they've done a lot for me, and I grew 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 up basically mm-hmm. um, under their guidance, and and I don't think I'm alone in this, um, and I think that both men and women have much to gain. Uh, 
So, it, and, and so generally speaking, I feel like for us women, we have very much, you know, been in this, in this male, so uh, dominated world and we have had to adapt. And so what I'm kind of interested, and I think we have kind of spoken in terms of like, what do we want? Equal pay, right, et cetera. Uh, and I think it's it's really less obvious to me what, what men's role is in this world. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the focus needs to be on men much more than on women at this stage. And I, I'd prefer to listen and I'd, I'd like to hear what men have to say um, because I think it's a conversation to be had. It's a negotiation to be had. And I think that we need to elevate the conversation, including, include men in it and, and really depoliticize de- it. And then only, and then, and only then we, I think we'll be able to move forward. I love that perspective. And I completely agree with you because, um, you know, we need the male perspective in order to understand what we need to do to change that gender gap, the culture gap, the pay gap. Um, But I'm really, really excited to hear you say that you you see it uh, diminishing in the newer generations. And that really makes me really, really happy. So uh, being a woman in tech, what have you seen any challenges that you've faced and how have you overcome them? Just an example, maybe. Yes, uh, for sure. Many, <laughs> many challenges. Uh, I mean, I feel life is a constant challenge, so that's mm-hmm. part of it. Uh, in the tech mm-hmm. field, I mean, we all know that the, the proportion of women in tech is 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 pretty pretty minute and uh the higher up you go the the more scarce women become um my challenge i think uh is has is is not uncommon it's really been finding my own voice and my leadership style in a field where there are very few female leaders and role models mm-hmm. and so at you know kind of at the onset or uh, i would i felt i I had to act tough and I had to prove that I deserve, deserved uh, my seat at the table. And I often felt I wasn't being hurt and, you know, I would compensate for that by kind of being assertive, maybe verging on aggressive mm-hmm. and, I, and acting tough, right? And what was interesting about that uh, was that, uh, you know, uh, my male colleagues uh, basically met toughness with toughness, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, and so that wasn't very pleasant. And, uh, you know, and I'm a former judo champion. So as a kid, you know, I, I had no problem, uh, you know, kind of fighting back and, and all of that. Uh, and I know how to fall without getting hurt and get back on my feet quickly but it still didn't feel very good. So I think it's okay for guys to fight it out. And then, you know, they go to a bar and have a drink later. And it's, <laughs> uh, it's, it's like business as usual, but I don't think that it uh, works the same way for women. And so that right. was something that was a challenge. And so it's pretty tricky. And so I don't like have a very kind of 
quick and fast answer to that. I think you know everybody is different in terms of their temperament and openness and um, you know assertiveness and all of that. But for me personally, you know, I'm I, I'm kind of pretty pretty assertive and and pretty um, you know competitive and and kind of ambitious, right? So I have kind of developed sort of a playbook, if you will, where I kind of watch out more for the way I come through, right? The way that people perceive me. And I, more than anything else, have really been kind of more self-aware and more aware of my emotions and how I feel and kind of using that awareness as and as information that has value, right? And that can then inform my, my uh, behavior. So instead of being reactive, right. And sort of quickly jumping, jumping in with a, with a, a quick pushback, let's say mm-hmm. to be a little more kind of, you know, measured and, and really, it's really more about being like tuned in to your feelings and maybe, ha- you know, being kind of more, more yourself. And it's actually been a big re- relief. That's great. Um, So, you know, you've looked at challenges as opportunities, you've learned from them, you've grown through them, you've become tougher, more confident. And I think we have to look at challenges that way and not as problems, but the opportunity to get stronger, more confident, to learn, to grow. And I think you've done an amazing job with that. So let's talk for a bit about technology disruption. Uh, what are you seeing and how can organizations start thinking about innovating in such a way? This is a big question. It's a big question. <laughs> and, and I think of this one obviously every day because of my career. Um, but I'll try to answer succinctly. Um, one uh I mean, one area that I think, like speaking more in, in the context that we find ourselves in, uh, you know, during a time of pandemic, uh, I think the pandemic will only accelerate the speed of uh, digital uh, transformation for many organizations. So that's one thing. And I think that those organizations that have been postponing um, are really finding themselves now in a difficult place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that, uh, you know, the, it, it, the, it's, it's going to result in more organizations uh, adopting technology more quickly. So that's kind of in the short run. I think in the long run, um, I, feel, I, I really feel we need to make technology work for humans. Mm-hmm. and not the other way around and I feel that you know we're we're kind of in this technology race and the speed uh, with which we are moving is unprecedented in human history in terms of change and and I really think we need to kind of be more intentional about how we apply technology and 
which is easier easier said than done, mm-hmm. uh, given the realities of, of, of the market. But at the same time, um, I think there's also one of the big challenges is uh, there's a huge gap between technologists and people with technical background and then business people who um, oftentimes have limited technology background, which is a divide that I think we need to focus on bridging. So, you know, let's say that, you know, historically specialization has been rewarded greatly and we still need specialists, but I think that we need folks who are more generalists who can really participate and translate between the two two worlds, the, the language of business and the world of technology to make technology work for 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 humans. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It definitely needs to be more of a strategic path. Um, I think what we've seen during this pandemic is remarkable, but it it wasn't strategic. It was more reactive. And uh, companies that were resisting this technology disruption are now deep into it and have to cope and it's not easy. Um, but I think, you know, overall, we have done an incredible job in in figuring it out. You know, whether it's it's the best way or not, that will come, I think, from, from time. But it really is um, remarkable to see how, you know, all our meetings are running with cameras and remote workers and people are getting things done. It might not be at the same pace or as productive as in the office, but we are moving forward, which is, you know, really uh, remarkable. So um, lifelong learning is a great topic to jump into next. Um, You know, being in the training industry and always believing that you have to keep learning, otherwise you die. Um, you've got an incredibly busy schedule, and I, I'm just amazed how busy it is, and you just added mentoring on top of that to start up businesses. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about balance, lifelong learning. How do you build that in? I know you're going for your MBA, so that's life you know continuous learning right there but tell me your thoughts about that and how important it is for you so i i i will not lie i don't really have work-life balance right now (laughs) um so you know i'm in the executive mba program and while this is a program that's structured in a way that you, you you can have a full-time job and also get your MBA in the process. It is, it is challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've, and I, I've always been like this. I am kind of an information junkie. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I basically live off of new ideas. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, at this point in time, uh, 
you know, I, I don't read much uh, besides finance, for example. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, when I go running or when I exercise or when I do busy work or house chores, I listen to audiobooks uh, yeah. and I listen to things that are kind of um, more, more, more interesting in a sense of kind of complementary to do to what I do for, for living or, you know, what I'm learning in the MBA pro- program. And so I have this long-term, long, lifelong project called Project Mastermind, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is what I, which is what I coded it, and uh, and I, 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 I enjoy it. So I think that's that's the big piece of it is I enjoy learning. That's so great. I can always fit it in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. You have to love it. And then, then it doesn't seem like another thing to do. It is, you know, what you love. And lifelong learning is so important for all of us. Um, so, you know, we're we're nearing the end of our show. Can you share some lessons learned or some leadership skills you've learned so that our listeners can have uh, some advice um, as to, you know, for them to grow. The one thing I'm thinking a lot about these days is uh, personal power dynamics and, you know, the power over leadership, which is, uh, in my opinion, outdated, but is still uh, alive and well mm-hmm. in our world and in our society. Um, and, you know, the, as a, as as a woman, it's always kind of a challenge. Like, how do I lead? And especially when uh, you know, most most leaders uh, have a very different style. And as a you know, as, as a female, you have to kind of develop. I found some some sort of an authentic approach that, and and it often feels you're kind of creating it. From, from scratch, like, again, there, there, I feel there is no playbook. So I think, as I mentioned before, for me, it's I'm exploring um, the informational value of feelings and how you can use your knowledge of yourself. Uh, and, you know, this is kind of a part of a journey of self-development that I'm, I've been on my entire life. But Knowing yourself is really where it starts um, and kind of knowing what your triggers are and what your blind spots are. So for me, uh, personally, uh, you know, if you find your, like, if I find myself in a situation, uh, oftentimes where it's either I'm risking conflict or I'm risking that I will feel resentful for not speaking up, um, you know, I often have a fight or flight response, and, and mm-hmm. in my case, it's more of a fight than flight. <laughs> so, kind of knowing that about yourself, and then, and that looks very different for, for different people. But again, like kn- knowing your own playbook, knowing your own biases, knowing who you are, and then having kind of a playbook. And you know, for me, it's I will mentally kind of rehearse stressful situations to kind of prevent myself for from enacting a pattern that I have historically 
uh, kind of enacted many, many times. And it's mm-hmm. not easy because we all have personality proclivities and traits. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of a it's kind of a, a daily <laughs> practice, if you will. And I think it's it's the only path to through leadership in, in, in my my opinion. But I, I think it's a, it's it's a, it's again it's a pod that is a, an everyday practice and I don't know that I will ever be done. <laughs> I think that's great advice. Learning about yourself, learning who you are, being authentic to yourself. And like you said, it is a lifelong learning. You know, we uh we have to be self aware in order to grow. So that is really, really great advice, Sandra. So in closing, um, how would our listeners get a hold of you? And um, what does your next stage of uh, your career look like? So I am finishing up my uh, MBA and I am uh, exploring new challenges and opportunities uh, in uh, the areas of financial services and real estate related to technology. Uh, so that's kind of where I'm headed. Um, and you can get hold of me uh, by email. Uh, my first name, Sandra, S-A-N-D-R-A, then M as in Malka or Michael. And then my last name, K-A-S as in Fred, K-A, at gmail.com. That's great. We will also put that contact information in the podcast. Thank you so much, Sandra. It was such a pleasure having you on the show, and I hope to have you on the show again soon. Thank you, Jennifer. The pleasure was mine. Thank you for listening, and please take a minute to subscribe to this podcast so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. As your organization continues to embrace and adopt new technologies, does your team have the skills required to make the most of your investments? Directions Training offers IT professional and end-user training for the most popular solutions today, including Microsoft 365, Azure, AWS, Cisco, Citrix, VMware, and much more. Our flexible delivery methods and full customized offerings make sure that you get the training you need just the way you need it in-person, virtual, on-demand, or through a blended approach. Success is a journey. Ask for directions. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com for more information today. Thanks for listening to Technology in the Right Direction your source for the latest technology trends shaping the world. To download this week's show or listen to past shows, visit directionstraining.com forward slash podcast. Past shows are also available at ewnpodcastnetwork.com, as well as through iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. To find out how to be a guest on the show, visit directionstraining.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, we hope that technology takes your business in the right direction. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN 